When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888. Hello and welcome to another edition of Inspiring Stories. My name is Tim McMillan. This is another episode brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. Uh, our guest in this edition uh, comes with a, uh, a wide and varied background. She's mm. spent uh, more than uh, a quarter of a century. You probably just picked the voice already because it'll be a, a voice that's familiar to many people. She's been on television and radio for uh, more than 25 years. Is it familiar or common? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with familiar. <laughs> you're, you're Soothing, kind. You're comforting, kind. <laughs> all of those things. It is that. Verity. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm really, really fabulously well, thank you, darling. How Excellent. are you? I'm, I'm awesome, thank you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love. I've just got to tell you. I recently <laughs> did the uh, the Mother's Day classic for our friend Dawn. We had a big team, Team Dawn. She died thirteenth uh, of July last year, and her daughter said, "Come on, let's do the let's do. You can do the walk or the run, yep. and we'll go down there onto Riverside Drive on the Sunday morning." And um, so some of us just did the walk, some of them did the run. But there were all of these young, young, young people. I can say that now at my great age. <laughs> and honest to God, all we did was walk four k's, and they're standing on the sides going, "Oh, you're awesome! You're awesome!" And I wanted to say, "I don't need a continence pad yet, sweetie," you know? but I didn't. I went, "Thank you, thank you." <laughs> Clearly, I look about 154 for you to keep going, come on, you can do it. Dear, oh dear. Oh dear. Yes. Anyway. So, look, I take it back. I'm well, thanks. <laughs> but I hope you're awesome. Look, I do want to ask you, obviously this, uh, this, this, this program is sponsored by Baron O'Day, which yes. uh, is uh, 130 years this year. That, that, that you work closely with because yeah. um, now you've spent a lot of your time um, how do you say officiating? Officiating, a, 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 absolutely. A funeral, which yeah, 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 as as a career move. You'd see your face. Too. I, well, it, it's, <laughs> it's everything my, it's that my, recoils. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anyone who who actually puts their hand up to go to a funeral. Oh, I love um, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Which just seems like such a bizarre thing to say. I know, and you don't grow up as a little girl going, hmm, "I think I'll work with death um, when I get older." But in fact, it's the most life-affirming job I have ever had. I have, I really feel as though my 30 years in radio and television have led to this. It's about interviewing people, about presenting their story on the day, uh, and about giving them a sense of pride Mm. for the person who has left. And quite often they already have that sense of pride. Mm. But by the end of it, I want people to feel a little bit more uplifted, as though they've released their person and as though it's done well. And let's face it, you get one chance with funerals. Yeah. Weddings, you get three. So um, in this day and age, it's a cynical look at <laughs> life, isn't it? you want. <laughs> but with funerals, and honest, I mean, I, 
I also do it for the hugging. I'm I'm pathetic. Love a hug. I love hugging. I you know unless you are quite seriously autistic, I don't reckon anybody went to their grave wishing they'd hugged less. Mm. Um, and even if they did, I'm going to go through just, that and hug. Even just invade more. that personal space and get in there. <laughs> Mostly they get used to it. Yeah, you know they sort of squirm a little bit like Pepe Le Pew sometimes. <laughs> but um, but you know we've lost a lot of that physical connection, but as yep. well as the emotional connection. And I just often think about the irony of the fact that technically we are better connected than ever before. Here we have the radio, the television, we have tablets with Kindles. In, in, in quite an impersonal way exactly. though, Exactly. We've got the iPads, the phones, the everything, and yet we are more disconnected than we have ever been. And for funerals, it's really about it's raw, a deep connection. It's raw, a lot of the time. Absolutely. I would mm. say it's the most intimate time you can spend with somebody with their clothes on. Yep. And... And it's working through them. And in that, that time, when I get there and the funeral directors, I, I do, I have to do a disclaimer here. I do work for everybody. I'm a hussy. If they ring me <laughs> and say, are you available? I go, yep, I am. Uh, but, um, but obviously I have my favourites. How, how do you not get caught up in, in the emotion of it all, though? Because often, you know, well, sometimes particularly they, do. they are – look, there's a difference between I think someone who's, you know, lived to 105 oh, yeah, and, and, died and in passed sleep. away yeah. in, peacefully in their sleep yeah. to, you know, some really just such sad tragedies. Oh, and there are. And I get a lot of suicides. Yeah. Um, I, how, I really do you, dislike do doing children, but I – Take some of that – Devastation on board. You can't help it. And there are times when I'm sure it's viewed as very unprofessional when I'm bawling my eyes out. But if you've got people sitting a metre away from you in the front row who've lost somebody through a violent accident Mm. or through a suicide and they're sobbing, it's impossible not Mm. to be affected. You'd have to be made of stone. Mm. What I have to do and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you have to keep reminding yourself it's their grief, it's their grief. You're here to support them, to get them through this day, to give them the best release possible and then help them take that first baby healing step. Mm. And you try to do that. But it's impossible not to get carried away sometimes. Mm. Um, And some of them are totally heartbreaking. And there are times, Tim, when I have seen a family, you spend an hour and a half with them, I've driven around the corner, couldn't drive anymore, just sat there yeah. sobbing yeah. when I hear about how tragic it is and how many bad things happen to good people. Yeah, And then you hear about the inspiring stories. It's those ones, even though they're the hard ones, they're the ones where you're needed most. Yeah. And you become their conduit, if you like, to almost everything and they do rely on you. And it's a, it's a, a, a feeling of extraordinary responsibility because they're trusting you with the life of their absolutely precious and adored person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, sometimes it's a very hard job. In the early days, I found it very hard to walk away and leave each service and yeah. not think about it. I'm much better at it now. Red wine Do you helps. stay in – I shouldn't <laughs> say so that. It's a, it's a bad thing yeah. to do. But... A, a medicinal <laughs> one standard drink. Exactly. After... <laughs> no more than that. No more. <laughs> um. Do you stay in contact with, with, with many of the, the groups that you officiate for? Not on a regular basis, but I'm blessed that people will often ask me back if there's another family member yeah. or a friend who's gone. And in fact, uh, just uh, last Tuesday, 
uh, I saw a woman, I buried her husband and her aunt, and it's now her father. Mm. And so that happens. And, and that's a beautiful feeling, although they quite often say at the end of this, please don't take it the wrong way, but we don't want to see you for a while. <laughs> I get that. Absolutely. No, perfectly understandable. But yeah. you do do some weddings as well. Yeah, yeah, Much yeah. happier occasions. Oh, look, more stressful, <laughs> more stressful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because it's about the dress. And these days, of course, The bridezillas are, are, are a beast these days, aren't they? <laughs> some of them and can the be. Mothers we're pretty, and... we're pretty lucky. Yes, mm. that's right. The mobsters mm. in law. Mm. Um, we're pretty lucky that we've had uh, some great ones. And I say we because I work with another celebrant when I do those. Yep. I did all of my training and then I forgot to do the last exam. Because I was caught up, I was program director for the Mundaring Truffle Festival, um, which was overwhelming in my life. Uh, at the same time, I was doing that celebrancy course, even though I had been doing funerals for good eight years before that. Yeah. Um, and in fact, that's how I ended up on 6PR on Sunday mornings at an obscenely early hour in the morning, bringing food in for Harvey Deegan and Sue McDougall. <laughs> uh, really. And Harvey would just go, bow, bow, eat everything. And Sue would go, ooh, I've, I like chia seeds. And things like that. And I'd be bringing in beef and, and things with wine and stuff like that. And it, she's gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. But we were different sort of processes. Yeah, different diets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and because he'd interviewed me, at some obscene hour in the morning at Mundaring about the Truffle Festival, realised that I could speak English at that time of the morning mm. and that I was obsessed by food and um, and so invited me on to do a regular cooking program, which I did for five years with CBR. Mm. Yeah. But so just back to the to, to the weddings and, and funerals. Yes, yes. You, you would rather spend the time at a funeral than a wedding. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes, yes. And look... Look, the weddings are the, the weddings are great, I, but I always want to shout at them. It's about the marriage. Yeah, it's actually not about this day, and there's so much invested in that day. And I know it's important. Yeah. Um, but when I see the amount of money spent on that, mind you, some of the amount of money spent on funerals too. But, um, but uh, you know, I want to go. It's about the next day and the next day and the years ahead. Yeah. Do you know? I'm always delighted when we when I interview couples uh, for what they would like for their mm. wedding day. Mm. I'm always delighted when they've travelled together. I yeah. think that's a great marker of how well you're going to together. Well, there's to no way to hide together. when you go that's on a long it. holiday together, is that's there? That's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> you get to see <laughs> each other at your, at your worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At your best, at your worst. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes you're the only two people you know because you might be in a country where they don't speak your yep. language yep. and then you're having to manage train timetables or whatever it is or, or manage gluten-free foods yep. in Italy yep. or something like that. Yep. So you know, you're really under the pressure. And if you can manage that well, I think there's a little chance that you're probably going to manage each other well. Strangest requests you've had to incorporate into a, either a wedding or a, or a funeral? You must, there must be some, oh. some odd things. I, I did. There was one funeral I did relatively recently, maybe three months ago. Anyway, he stood up and he started to talk about his sister who had passed away, and then he started to talk about his other sister who was single, and she was really lovely, and she anyway started doing this dating profile <laughs> from the pulpit. And I, and I went, that's a first. <laughs> we haven't done RSVP on from the pulpit before. Well, there is that, that great line from Wedding Crashes. Uh, wedding, you know, of funeral cra- uh, of wedding Crashes. Wedding Crashes. You know, where, Vince Vaughan. Yeah, and- where he says, was it grief is nature's most powerful aphrodisiac? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was channeling Will Ferrell. <laughs> maybe he was. The wedding crashes. He's which, a hottie, yeah. I tell you what. He's a hottie. <laughs> uh, he's, he's an aphrodisiac to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the funeral- we might have to take a... Oh, do we have to take a break? We'll have to take yes. a break. Sorry, were you going to talk no, about... Sorry. 
crazy things at a wedding? Uh, no, no, not necessarily. I was just going to say that you can have pretty much whatever you want yep. at, a, at a funeral. Yep. Um, and mostly at a wedding, the only thing you need is a monotum. At the wedding, there are a few legal words. Apart from that, it's all frou-frou, really. Mm. Um, mm. Lace and, and music and all of that sort of thing, which is terrifying. Yep. Let me uh, tell you, if you've got uh, music... Massive bill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like a, an adjective for three times as much. Exactly. Why, just on that, just on that, why is it that there are drug companies on television who don't... Who can't say twice anymore? Is there a generation that doesn't know what twice means? Because oh, there's a generation I, that doesn't know a lot of things. They really. say two <laughs> times faster, and I go, "It's twice. It's <laughs> twice. What is wrong with you?" And my partner says, "They can't hear you," and I say, "They can't hear you," but all of the neighbours can hear you when you're shouting at the NRL. <laughs> anyway, it's good to throw these things into the void, though, isn't it? It makes you feel better. It's about the catharsis release. of it all. Exactly. Let's have a little release now as we uh, head off to a break. Verity James is our guest on this edition of inspiring stories here on 882.6br. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882.6br for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882.6br for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. Welcome back to this edition of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Baron O'Day. Our special guest in this edition is Verity James. Verity, can we just turn the clock back to uh, your younger days? Oh, 1853. <laughs> Lovely. The First Fleet then? <laughs> no, I know. I did have a relative on the First Fleet. Did it's, you really? It's fashionable now, you know, <laughs> to have a convict. Yeah. Really, it wasn't for years. You could trade no, off that for, yeah. for lots of things. I think the story was that she was a prostitute, but she also got caught pilfering. Anyway, she came out here and uh, she made quite a lot of money and then went back and married Will. I don't know where the wow. money went, though, because there's no money in our family at is all. Is that the real story? Is that the story you were told? Well, that's one of, <laughs> one of the many stories I was told. You know, never let the truth get in the way of mm. a good story. But you do hail from, from New South Wales? Uh, yes, born in Sydney. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and, and what age uh, but were I chose, you, you See, I chose Western chose Australia. chose to come here. So, I think, well, I, I, I was offered a job here. When yep. I was escaping from my f- uh, first, first engagement... Yep. Um, and, in fact, yeah, the wedding was all planned. You don't have to talk about it. Anyway, well, that's right. right. <laughs> but look, look, I mean, this is how it was definitely the right decision. He was a lovely young man. He really was. Yep. But all four parents uh, wept with joy when we rang to say it's off. And, uh, and I'd been offered a job. We were in Canberra by that stage. I was working with the ABC and working in Parliament, which was an amazing experience. Yep. Uh, and then I was offered a job in... Um, Perth, then at they got wind of it, and I was offered a job in Adelaide and also in Melbourne. Yep. Why didn't it happen now? <laughs> but then they they offered me these jobs, and I figured that Perth was probably about as far Just away as I could about go. Far enough away. That's right. He went to Perth in Scotland. Funny old thing. Wow. Um, but a beautiful young man. But we just weren't suited. It really. wasn't meant to be. No, it wasn't. Mm. And so. Um, then you asked, "What was the question that you asked?" Oh, anyway, they were all happy about that. I was running away, and I came here. And what was and, the question? And look, I was just exploring your your, your early days, New South Wales. So, so you, so oh, yeah. yeah. 
So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you so, spent all of your formative time, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got the job uh, in, and I got Sydney the job girl. in Sydney and then they sent me to Bega, yep. which is four hours away from Sydney. Mm. And thank goodness they did. I assumed I'd be a national star in about 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I wasn't. Uh, and it, two years, really good years because Bega people are quite direct. It's quite a small town. Yep. Although we broadcast to the whole of the South Coast. Is that where your love of cheese started? Oh, no. I was born with a love of cheese. A day <laughs> without cheese is not a day lived. Let me tell you, I spend my life warding off osteoporosis <laughs> and it's such a great artisan food you know that I love the fact that they can take this raw product of milk and create so many different varieties I just it's one of the great foods of the world you're still impressed by that magic trick I yeah. am <laughs> I am how it's done. I, I am I will be in the audience going wow every time so, so, so had you been to Perth before I mean obviously oh, no. it's, it's your home now what were your first impressions of Perth when you when you landed here because we're talking it was it was uh, about 1987, uh, is that right? Yes, I'd been yeah. in Bega since 84. That was a shock because I didn't even drive. I lived in the centre of Sydney. I didn't even drive till I yeah. left. So bigger people thought it was hysterical to watch me learning to drive <laughs> and kangaroo the little car. We had a little Sherpa. And um, I have had lunch with that man once, I, that man I was engaged to, and we both agreed it was the best decision. And he was just still lovely. Anyway, yeah. uh, so then they loved watching that. I learnt so much. You know, they would come up to me and they would say... It's like you're, you officiated your own relationship demise even yeah, back then. That's it, was, right. it, it, was, it was written in the stars then. <laughs> Been doing it ever since. <laughs> uh, so that was good. Got the job in Canberra. That was wonderful. And then it came at the perfect time where I thought this relationship is no longer working. I have to grow up and say it's over. And so came to Perth. I We sold everything, drove to I drove to Adelaide, put the car on the train on Adelaide and got here. And it wasn't the best day to arrive. It was Good Friday and everything was closed. You, Honest to God, if you think it's bad, well, it's not so bad now, really. Lots of yeah. things are open, but yeah. nothing was open apart from... Oh, it's from, a ghost town. It was, mm. except for pancakes at the Carillion. Mm. And that was the only place I could get a glass of wine and food. And I went to Miss Maud's European-style hotel, which I thought, that sounds like a brothel. I've got to go and stay there. <laughs> How's this, Tim? I got really lucky. Ah, a, my, a friend of my sister had a friend yeah. who had a brother who lived in Perth and they said, ring this man and be nice to him and he might take you for a drink and at least you've got a contact. Yeah. Although I did have the contact of the man who'd employed me over here, mm. Brian. Anyway, I rang this guy, CJ, and I said, hello, apparently if I'm nice to you, you'll take me for a drink. And he said, well, would you like to move in? And I thought... <laughs> My luck's sure. changed. <laughs> I've just <laughs> run away from a wedding and uh, things are looking good. Anyway, it turned out that he had a room spare. That weekend I moved into the house at North Beach, met loads of interesting people, one of whom was my uh, very best friend, who's still my ve- best yep. friend, who'd arrived from America, um, although she's a Kiwi, yeah. um, the year before. But um, it was it was unusual, and I was just walking around. There was no Thai restaurant. There was no alfresco dining because yep. apparently we'd all get some terrible disease. Even though you know, I thought in Sydney we managed not We're to still get fighting that, that battle. <laughs> That's I know, but it was bizarre. I mean, yeah. and there was the there was the um, Sunday sesh. Yep, uh, and I just kept going. What, you you what you what? 
Who is it, your mother telling you you can't have a drink at this time and that time? It was bizarre. Petrol stations weren't open. Oh, the the, the old roster system was still going strong then, wasn't it? I wondered if, as I'd driven across the Nullarbor, I'd also gone back 30 years. It was bizarre. And because in Sydney, A, I didn't drive. So, you know, you just, everything's open. You catch a train, you just, um, or a bus and you, or a ferry and everything's there and it's pumping. So it was quite a surprise. But I was lucky because I'd had the two years in Bega, which made me appreciate. You were prepared for a small small <laughs> but then I had the year in Canberra, so yeah. and I wouldn't. I don't think I would have appreciated Canberra had I not had the time in Bega. Yes, and then because I'd had Canberra, then it, you know Perth was okay. Yeah, if I'd come directly from Sydney to Perth, I don't think I would have liked it. Would have been it. too much of a. But I was only coming shock. for six months, and I thought that's good. I'll, and you're still here. Yeah, because I was on my own, and I thought I'll just get myself back together again, yep. and then I'll take up that Melbourne job. But when I got here, Tim. Suddenly, because I'm very geographically challenged, you should put me in a new house. <laughs> Honest to God, I end up in the laundry going, hello, hello. Um, but suddenly the sun set in the right place. Yep. Even in Sydney, I was famous. They'd say, which way? Verity, I was called there. Here I'm always called VJ. Um, and I go oh, left and they go, they turn right and it would be the right way. And But here, because the sun set over the ocean, I could always find my way around. Yeah. And so it, it was, just it was, felt it was great. Where you felt- Grounded and wonderful, and I went down to Matilda Bay on the first weekend, and I thought there are kids playing there, and they're not getting some horrible disease in the water, and the boats were clinking, and I thought "Mm, maybe I could like this place. Yeah, and and it's been love ever since. Well, pretty much. Pretty much. I went out with a lot of people before I got married, and after every time they they broke up, I think I was in love with the idea of being in love. Then that said, I'm going, I'm leaving, and then I didn't, and then I did fall in love and get married, and went through with that one, and then. I'd, by that stage, I'd made this home and I just mm. f- had fallen in love with it. And, and part of your home was also your, your work home as well. Um, oh, yeah, the ABC. A long, distinguished uh, time at the ABC. 25 um, years. My you know, God, you did, that's a long you time. You did a lot it? there. You, yep. you, know, you read the news. You hosted radio shows. Yeah, every radio uh, show. Pretty much did it all there. Yeah, documentaries. What did you, what did you enjoy the most? What did you not enjoy? Radio. Um, didn't enjoy radio. No, no, I loved it. I loved, loved the radio. Radio yeah. I've always loved. Yeah. It's always, always, always the primary means of communication. It is the ultimate companion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the way you connect with people without people ringing up and going, I don't like that dress. Did you know you've only got one earring on? Do you know your nostrils are uneven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of that sort of thing that comes with television. Yeah, yeah. Really. I remember my first night uh, oh, here, yeah. someone, someone actually rang the switchboard and complained about the pen. Of all things, I thought. Well, if if they're unhappy with the pen, then I can't help them. No, that's exactly. Or I can just change the pen. That's fine. But yeah, but yeah, people. Yeah, people do funny things. You're more exposed on television. Oh yeah, but in a very superficial way. That's it. That's it for what you're wearing, rather than or how is your hair or how's your makeup or that sort of thing, rather than what you're saying. Um, And and I remember one night I did accidentally gone. I'd taken a phone call just before I went on to read the news. I'd taken off one of my enormous earrings. It was the early 90s. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and gone to read there. And, you know, you go and do your checks, voice yep. checks once you get there. And, uh, and anyway, I'd read the entire news and it was only just as I was about to turn to Trevor Jenkins uh, to say the sport that I suddenly went, oh my God, you know, everything goes into slow-mo. I yep. haven't got the earring. And then stupidly, I turned my head the other way, <laughs> even though it was on my right side, because I knew I had the earring on that side. Uh, and, there's uh, that geographically challenged thing again. <laughs> right, Where's that voice coming from? <laughs> 32 phone calls to say... She's only got one earring on. Well, and I thought, could good I have... to know that people are paying attention. No, but if I'd asked <laughs> one of those people what I'd been reading about, would they have known? No. Probably go. not. No. I did get the giggles one night. It was Carmen Lawrence who was 
Premier when yep. I said the Labia Premier. Oh, and, then, and then I had to stop for a moment and think, just, just move on, quickly move on, move on, move on. Nobody will notice. Yeah. <laughs> they did. We need to head to a break, Verity, but I want to ask you about you speaking about uh, some of your uh, your standout interviews. There was one with the Prime Minister as well oh, that I know you had to, uh, you've had to reflect on once or twice uh, over the years, so I'll, I will ask you to indulge Isn't us. Isn't it break time uh, already? Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Verity James is our guest on this edition of Inspiring Stories here on 882 6BR. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. And our special guest in this edition is Verity James. Uh, Verity, we're just reflecting on some of your moments at the ABC. Yes. Um, there was a particular interview with the Prime Minister. Yes. Um, that, uh, well, it's, Went it's badly. probably in your... <laughs> Disaster. Your, your highlights reel. <laughs> kind of, kind of buried in the middle there. Yeah. Well, look at... Look at middle a, Earth. A, a moment that you've probably had to reflect on once or twice, probably a little more than oh, you would have yeah. liked to. But, oh, uh, look, there were... Talk us through it. Who was it and, and what happened? Okay, it was John Howard. Yeah. And he is a very canny politician mm. who knew the machinations of radio very well. Yep. He was in a very bad mood. Uh, and my mother was dying from uh, cancer. Yep. Uh, um, her lungs were packing up and she didn't have that much longer to live, although she was she lived for another year after that. Uh, and I got angry that the Liberal Party had accepted tobacco sponsorship for one of their dinners. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> yeah, except that, and as a journalist, we shouldn't be putting that sort of personal slant on it. So I started to attack him. He's already in a bad mood and things got worse. And then I misread a screen... It was around about the time of the GST. I read it as GVT, and it wasn't the government. It was the GST was the question. Mm. Anyway, it went completely around the wrong way. I read the question, realised it was wrong, and said, no, I'll get clarification. He saw an in, and I can't blame him. I mean, you know, he really was a very canny politician. He saw an in and just... Caned you. Absolutely caned me. And then he did this clever thing for him very bad thing for me, is he, when we got to the end, I said, I'm so sorry, I will get clarification on that. That's clearly not right. I'll get clarification on that. Just before the, the uh, news, he, he looked up and he timed it. He watched the clock and he timed and he walked up to it to say, and I just can't believe, as though I'd interrupted him and cut him off. Yeah. And I hadn't. But as you know, in the ABC, when you hit right. the top of the clock, that's, that's it. You, it you're cuts off. off. Yeah. Yeah. The news is on. Yeah. And I thought, okay, it's a misunderstanding. This can't be that bad. Oh, how wrong was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was six weeks out from the election. Mm. There was a busload of journalists hanging outside. The studio went very, very quiet at the end. And I kind of knew things were quite bad when I went upstairs and half an hour later, Laurie Oakes was on the phone. <laughs> you, saw, you kind of go, okay, this might be bigger than I think it might be. He doesn't mince his words either. Laurie, <laughs> no. what, what did Laurie say to you? Oh, in the you? end, I didn't take that call. I no. got protected for a while. Within 24 hours, I just collapsed. I did go back on the radio the next day. Hardest thing, yeah. one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. And then my boss panicked because he thought that I'd said something, kicked open the door mm. and started just shout at me and I had to put on a promo. And then I, he realised I hadn't said that and stormed out. Uh, anyway, there were lots of apologies. It was called the Notorious Perth Incident. It was linked to the ABC losing funding, which oh is in fact, gosh. yeah, it was, it was, um, it was possible. 
Oh, is it the worst time? It's one of the three worst times of my life. Yeah. And walking into Coles that Sorry day. Sorry to bring it up then. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> These days I could talk about it without <laughs> sobbing my heart out. But, you know, walking into Coles and having people point at you. Yeah. Um, and then, then, then I burst into tears if somebody was kind to me. Mm. Um, but uh, I ended up suicidal after that. Wow. Um, because it was so brutal and it was... It was just constantly, I was the pariah of the world and I had made a mistake. Um, but anyway, those things happen. And, you know, I would always say to people, especially those kids who are coming up, and I taught at ECU for a little while, don't put your emotions, don't let them get in the way because they will cloud you when you do those interviews. Hard thing to do though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. To be that objective, that yeah. analytical all the time yeah. yeah, when there's something that has obviously got a direct impact on you. Yeah. And he didn't know that. He didn't know that that was happening for my mother. Mm. Um, Mushtaq rang me afterwards and my mother and she said, I'll, I'll man the barricades. Wheeze, <laughs> wheeze, cough, cough, cough. And I'm just sobbing on the other end of the phone. Um, so yeah, look, it was a very difficult time, but I did come back eventually. It was a mistake. And I apologised a lot and, yep. and I handled it badly. Mm. And I, sh- honest, honest to God, he was in one respect, while I, I was angry at him over a whole range of issues politically. I had to have grudging respect for him because he was so much cleverer and so much canny and you realise. Yeah. And I should have known how he, he worked. He went from in, the back foot to being absolutely yeah. on the attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I should have known better because I'd worked in politics in mm. Canberra in Parliament House and seen that. And, you know, he's got a thick skin. He sure has. I don't. You've you've taken up the fight uh, over ABC funding on a number of times Yeah. Um, over the years. Um, does it uh, does it sadden you that it's oh. uh, that it's that it's back in the news so heavily at the moment? Absolutely. I mean, I'm encouraged that Malcolm Turnbull has said it will it will always be a public broadcaster under him. He but can't guarantee a huge, that. Can that's he? right. And there's a huge groundswell. I mean, it, in the coalition, his his predecessor promised no funding cuts uh, during time in opposition. What five years ago? Yeah, so yeah, that's exactly um, right. You know. And there'll be no GST and all of those promises. Yeah. There, there. It does sadden me because there needs to be an independent broadcaster. What often happens is the sitting government says the ABC hates us. Well, that's our, that was I'm not with them now, but that was your job. You know, yeah. you actually knew you were doing your job when people when the sitting government complained because you need to bring them to account. You know, they are the ABC is no mouthpiece and it's not a left wing organisation. I know some people listening to this will go, "Oh, that's rubbish," well, and that's it. Well, they, they will. They will absolutely, and I know they will. And I've been on air where I've had four calls in a row, two calls saying she's left wing biased, and two p- people saying she's a bloody conservative, get her off. Mm. People's perception is what their perception is. Mm. Uh, I know that there are conservative voting people within the ABC. I also know left-wing voting people within the ABC. It's such a different beast, though, isn't it, to yes. mainstream media yep. nowadays compared to uh, <coughs> even five years ago, 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, um, the advent of social media yes. and the other platforms has changed things dramatically, not necessarily for the better. No. And you only have to look at the, the, the story that broke last year about Facebook managing the news. Yeah. So they are predetermining what is news and what's the Absolutely. slant on news. Just as they tailor their advertising. Exactly. They're tailoring the delivery of of news-style information yeah, as yeah. well now. So they're just they're, they're feeding people's yep. uh, existing, you know, ideologies and just... And, That's and, it. And they're biases. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, the internet was supposed to be this thing that was supposed Freed to... Freed up, anarchic, you know, yep. broadening people's horizon, you know, giving voice to, to those who didn't have one previously and, 
That's all. And good in fact, theory, it gives voice to Kim Kardashian. Exactly. It's done. The, it's ended up doing the exact opposite. Hasn't yeah, it? that's right. That's you know, and, and I look at election times. We had to list exactly to the second mm. what time we gave uh, every single party. You know, and I don't know that commercial networks all have to do that, and I doubt whether Alan Jones has to do that. <laughs> uh, but the ABC is considered an outlier. <laughs> yeah. <these> days, <laughs> but the ABC absolutely front. has to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, so much so that uh, in 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 that that famous political debacle uh, that was the uh, the the Senate or half the Senate anyway the the, the re-election in twenty fourteen yeah yeah uh, after those ballots uh, were misplaced oh. lost whatever happened to them Absolutely. we still don't know what happened to them do we no no, no. they're still Who's MIA <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're listening and you're li- fourteen hundred odd papers <laughs> give us a call we'd love to solve this one um, but you and and and, a, and another former colleague from the ABC Russell, Russell Wolf yes. who a lot of people will be familiar with. The, the lovable Russell. He's gorgeous. Um, Iconoclastic you, you and wonderful. Put your hand up for the for the for the re-election. Yeah. Uh, on a on a Save Our ABC platform. Well, we did. Um, we did. Let did me you tell ever you how that happened? To, well, to I didn't get expect. In? I didn't expect to. Russell was certainly hoping to, but he rang me. We'd had the annual Lifeline brunch, which is now called the Aspinall WA Lifeline brunch. Yep. In back of people, back of Vince Gareffa's backyard. We've raised up to. Uh, $550,000 yep. on some occasions um, in the past couple of years, $400,000-plus for Lifeline WA, specifically WA. Anyway, he rang me that night and he said, Veach, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think I'll go and stand for the Senate. I mean, I reckon it's a good idea and you should come with me. And I went, <clears throat> what a good idea, sure. Glass of champagne, <laughs> you know, and that's what we did, really. But we were so ill-prepared for it, really. It was only later we realised that, we needed to have a number in the box above yeah. and that we were never going to get there. But, um, you know, we did, we did, I think we did 10,000 mm. votes or something like that. But it was important to us yeah. to at least have that as part of the base. And we both agreed that, and, uh, and there would never have been enough votes for me, but for him that wouldn't be the only thing that he would campaign, campaign on, mm. but that there would be other things. But, yeah, that the ABC needed to be protected as an independent voice. We better stop talking about the ABC because we're not on the ABC. Oh no, we're right not. Now. That's right. Hello, Six PR. Hello, nice Six PR listeners. But look, you spent a lot lovely. of t- you spent a lot of time at Six PR as well. I five so. years here. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you must have learnt something that goes through that Senate process, though, about the, the the machinations of federal politics and what it would take uh, to to be a a member yeah, of parliament. It's thick it's skinned. A, very well, very thick skin. You yeah. probably would have. Uh, you know, enhance the, the thickness of your own skin during your time in uh, in broadcasting anyway. But yeah. uh, it's a massive commitment, isn't it, especially from uh, from Perth? Yeah, well, it would, have, it would have been, that's true. I guess because I didn't expect to go in there. So it was to support Rusty more than anything. Yeah. Um, so that was less for me. Where I learned about politics, excuse me, <clears throat> was actually working in Parliament House, yeah. that I was fortunate enough to be in the old Parliament House. And like many young people at that time, I was young once, um, the, you know, I assumed politics is boring. In fact, it was fascinating yeah. when you realise that these are the laws of the land which govern you are being made in front of you. Yeah. When you get great debates, when you look at the incredibly long hours they work, and they do, mm. and we could be broadcasting in Parliament House from 11 o'clock until 3 o'clock the next morning, and 
there would be people sometimes curled up on the seats asleep, sometimes still debating the yep. matters. It yep. is important and it's too easy to dismiss them. It's too easy to say they're in there for their own benefit, although, yep. my goodness, the rise in independence, we're certainly seeing that. Yeah. There are a lot of good people there. Mm. I do think that there are inherent problems with the Westminster system because you can't go against your own party, which means you have to do deals. Yeah. And the deals can be beneficial, but you can also lose your soul. Yes. Just ask Peter Garrett in that. Yeah, I think he's still trying to get it back. I think he is trying to get it back. That's right. Yeah. Uh, look, I want to talk to you about some of your charity work. Oh, We do good, need to ha- head to a break so you can have some time to gather your thoughts and we'll get into that in a moment. Verity James is our special guest on this edition of Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. Welcome back to this edition of Inspiring Stories. Verity James is our special guest. Uh, Verity, I want to talk to you about your charity work in a moment, but also I just want to quickly ask you about uh, the Rolf Harris oh, yeah. saga. You were one of the people that, uh, that came out and said that uh, he groped you after an interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it was commonly called the octopus. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, and it was common parlance. What time was this? What year was this, roughly? I don't know the years, Tim. I think it was in the 90s somewhere. Um, He would tour Australia every now and again. He was great talent. Uh, I mean, that was the truth. So it wasn't a hardship to interview him, of course. He was a a superstar. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, But afterwards, and because I am a very tactile person, um, but... Uh, he was certain. It was more than that. Oh yeah, no, no, mm. he was definitely mm. more than that. He was doing the old, complete rub up my body and um, mm. over my breasts and stuff, and and then I was kind of peeling off and going, oh okay, no, I don't think that's very good. <laughs> oh, that's not very good. That's the yeah. octopus. Yeah, that's mm. right. But I, yep. but and I will say forever, I wasn't scarred by it. Um, should I have spoken up? Um, I know I just thought, oh, get off, you silly old thing. Yeah. And um, I had no idea about what was happening to the very young and the vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, by that stage, you know, I'm, an, I'm a woman. Mm. I can go get off and, mm. um, and didn't feel disempowered by it. I just yeah. thought, oh, you grope a slimy thing. But it was later when I found out about the young girls that I thought, okay. That well, was we, what compelled you yeah, to come yeah. forward and, and add, add to that voice. Absolutely. And Jane Marwick, of course, came out yep. first. Uh, and, and I thought, well, she also needs to be supported. And she knew that I had yep. had the same, uh, similar sort of experience. Mm. Mm. Um, she was more sort of shocked. I was just, you know, a bit cross about it, really. Yeah. And um, and it wasn't. There was more of an acceptance of it then, which doesn't make it right at no. all. But there was. Well, clearly there was because there was this this whole culture of it. Yeah, that's uh, it. There in, was a whole in, culture of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it it was allowed to happen. Yeah, but what I find extraordinary is his denial of the whole oh. business, the, the hubris that this... Even to this day, that's writing right. songs about it while yeah, he's that's in jail. right. I, I find that utterly extraordinary, his lack yeah. of compassion yeah. and lack of understanding about the effect it has mm. had on, on those women who were damaged. Yeah. Um, let's get on to uh, more positive <laughs> <laughs> topics then. Your charity work, you've done loads of charity loads, work. Loads, um, loads, loads. And I have a policy. You mentioned Lifeline WA. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a big but one. But also the Red Cross... Inaugural Um, ambassador. Tell us how you became aligned with these particular charities. So with a group of, uh, I think it was about 18, and I think it was 1991, uh, a whole group of us became the inaugural Red uh, Red Cross ambassadors. We were the first in Australia. Perth pioneered it. Peter Holland was one. Todd Johnston was one. And... um, 
uh, Eric Tan, and it was basically so that if we were needed in any of our fields, we could be there. And I have been proud to maintain a relationship yep. with the Red Cross since then, hosting events. One is the Bendering clothing auction sale we have usually second week in May at the showgrounds. Um, f- and we've been doing that. It's actually been going since 1961. I've been involved since uh, for the last 20 years. And for most of those years, we raised about 120000 The last two years, we've raised about 225000 Wow. And that money goes into local programs. Some simple programs like Telecross, somebody can be called. You know, if you've got somebody vulnerable at home who's older, they might not see a single person yeah. all day or for three days. Mm. So this particular program uh, means funds somebody to call that person every morning. Hi, yeah. how'd you go? You Okay. Did you sleep? What did you dream about? Such a simple thing. Such a simple thing, but it goes right back to that thing we were talking about at the beginning about connection. Mm. And and we can't have those people slip through the loop because it's just too damaging to them. So, but it also Red Cross, um, you know, does the most amazing programs right throughout the world, also through its sister Red Crescent. Yeah. Also RSPCA. Yeah. I'm a regular contributor to them. Uh, the Cambodian Children's Trust. I've just stopped contributing to them for a couple of reasons. But when I went through my divorce, Tim, and I was incredibly fragile and incredibly low and, again, um, got suicidal. I didn't think that – I kept saying to – and I did go to a therapist for a year, which was wonderful. But I kept saying, are you sure I can't die from this pain? And uh, and when I came out of that and realised how many wonderful friends and what great support there was – I had already done a lot of charity work in my life, but I made a commitment that 25 to 30% of my work would always be charity. Mm. So I have a number of direct debits to cover me if somebody doesn't ask me to come and host an event. And my bloke will suddenly say things like, oh, what it is the three-legged cat society this week <laughs> or something like that. And, and I go, yeah, that's fine. They needed somebody to come along and run a quiz night, so I will. Yeah. And I, if I can do it, then I will. Uh, yeah. For Baron and Day, I just did the cystic fibrosis, conquer mm. cystic fibrosis, and mm. we had a huge ball over at Crown, which was fantastic. Lifeline WA is a very big one. Um, White Ribbon Day in November, yep. domestic violence. Yep. Um, yeah, I've got a number of charities. I just think it's so important when the Dalai Lama says, you know, why are, why are we here? To be kinder, to help other people if we can. Yep. And I just think you grow so much from that. And and that whole connection thing again too when you can help people is absolutely brilliant. And um, if I never did another charity thing in my life, I have covered myself for heaven. I, I, I think you've <laughs> probably earned your spot there. But I will continue to do it because it's so enriching and so rewarding. But one thing you can't do, though, is officiate your own funeral, Verity. Why can't I? Uh-huh. Why can't I? I would encourage anybody. I know we haven't got much time yet, but I would encourage everybody to write your story now because if you get to a great age and if you develop dementia and if you've got that for a few years, your family tends to forget some of your stories. I think most people just get as far as doing a will. <laughs> That's a good idea too. But write your story now. And why can't I? I'd love to do a little tape that says, uh, what, I, yeah. what, if what's the mentality? If you're, if you're seeing this or listening to this, yeah. then hey, I'm, hey, I'm not hang on. here. Elvis is here. Yeah. And get an Elvis impersonator in and record the whole thing. Wouldn't that uh, be great? Can I come to your funeral then? Yeah. If that doesn't sound too weird a thing to say. No, I want you to. <laughs> Please. It sounds like it'll be fun. Verity, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story and some of your entertaining stories. We appreciate it. Tim, you have been delightful. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Verity. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell. 
And this one is brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We'll look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.